Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. That's Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And in the Pew Bible, it's page 833. The Apostle Paul writes, I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Amen. This past week, Laura and I had the opportunity to go to a conference held by an organization called the Gospel Coalition, and it was three days of an opportunity for me to just uh, re- receive a teaching from some of the great teachers in our, in our country and to go to workshops and just to kind of uh, sharpen tools for ministry and to rest and relax to meet up with some some old ministry friends and have conversation. I will admit one of the conversations I had was in the pool, so that was kind of nice uh, with a friend i hadn 't seen in, in ten years and Laura and I actually were away from our kids for the first time for for three days. Uh, it was glorious. We loved them dearly, but it was fantastic. And uh, what, what made it even uh, easier for us to relax and engage in the conference for me was certainly knowing that I didn't, wasn't going to be preaching this Sunday. And we asked Jack Cruz to come. He was scheduled to, to preach here in February, and then we had a big ice snowstorm, you all may remember, and that was canceled. He was gracious enough to come back today. And he told me not to give a lengthy introduction, but I'm probably just going to ignore him on that. Uh, Jack and Eva uh, Cruz are a couple that Laura and I look up to uh, tremendously. Uh, They have been in ministry for years. Uh, Jack recently retired after 20 plus, I don't even, maybe more than that, however many years he was a pastor. Uh, And he has become now, he's in in retirement, uh, he has, he's not really retired. He's moved into a role as a pastor of pastors is really what he is. Uh, Within our denomination, he has become one who, who cares for pastors. And so, Within our denomination, we have a group of, of pastors that meet regularly, and, and Jack leads that uh, group for us. And so he has become very much, to me, a, a mentor in so many ways. Uh, he's someone whom our church has actually looked to quite a bit and will be looking to more in the future as we look to, to, to grow and to make changes that we think will help facilitate our ability to impact this community. Jack is already, is already playing a kind of an instrumental role in helping to counsel us in that, so it is with uh, with great joy and with great respect uh, that we we welcome Jack. And what I really want to do is let's go ahead and give him a hand, and and then I want to pray. Jack, come on up, and I want to pray. Oh yeah, that's right. He's he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna teach from down there. It's easier to easier to get out when you yeah right up and down the aisles and all that kind of stuff. Okay, but uh, let me let me pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for. This opportunity for us to come and to hear your word, and I pray that uh, 
uh, as the song that we sang right before this, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word and that you would uh, use Jack uh, as your servant and that we would be attentive to what you have to say through him. Uh, We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think if uh, you've been here when I've preached before, I've usually moved the pulpit, so I hope it doesn't, uh, that way I can uh, make sure Kevin stays awake uh, during the preaching point. Uh, But uh, you've got a treasure in Kevin and Laura. They've been here five years, uh, and really in pastoral ministry, when you begin to look at the statistics, uh, it used to be the pastors were in places two, three years, and then they'd switch around and churches would suffer as a result. Uh, Now, statistically, it says that pastors need to be in a place uh, for a chunk of time, like five years before uh, the ministry that they share together with the church body that's called them really begins begins to develop and embrace each other. And uh, Kevin and Laura uh, have been here for five years. That's a wonderful marker. Uh, They're not done yet, I don't believe. Uh, But, uh, you know, God's got a way of using uh, us. Now, Kevin, you said that you were with uh, some older colleagues, right? Uh, I'm wondering how old they really were. I mean, you're, you're a young man. Uh, and colleagues, meaning that I knew them. Ah. I've known them for a long time. Yeah, but a long time for you is like 10 years, 15 years. Yeah, that's, that's what I was wondering. But I'd like to pray a blessing on uh, Kevin and Laura. I haven't had the privilege to have them here when I've been here Uh, But uh, I have the joy, and Eva, uh, my wife, we have the joy of sharing with pastors, and the free church is on the cutting edge. Uh, We're going out to national conference, and there's going to be a gathering of all the pastoral care uh, workers in all the 17 districts of the free church. So uh, it's exciting to see that the free church wants to make sure that pastors are cared for. And uh, so I want to pray a blessing on Kevin and Laura before I begin this morning. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for Kevin and Laura. Just got to meet Laura for the first time face-to-face today, but I know Eva has interfaced with her, and I've had that opportunity with Kevin. And I just want to thank you for the gift and the treasure that Kevin and Laura are to Community EFC here in Rivervale. And I want to thank you for this time that they've had away, away from the kids, too. And that's always significant in uh, ministry relationship uh, to get away and to uh, be able to just be together as a couple and to renew uh, and uh, just share together in that marriage vow that we've shared with each other. And so I thank you for that privilege that uh, Kevin and Laura had for the refreshment and the challenge uh, of hearing uh, uh, the word from so many uh, at the Gospel Coalition gathering. And then, Lord, uh, for the ministry that you've brought him to here. I just want to pray your blessing on them. They're, they're a young couple. They have young children. And they're in a season of life that can be extremely difficult, Lord, with uh, the demands of family, the demands of church ministry, the, uh, their own personal demands. And I pray, Lord, a blessing on them. I pray, Lord, that you'll refresh them and renew them. I pray, Lord, that you'll keep them uh, alive to you and to your promptings in their lives and that they would feel the encouragement of God's people here as they labor together. Uh, here in the Rivervale area. We just thank you so much for the privilege to knit our hearts together with them and with this church family. Uh, for it's in your name I pray these things. And thank you for Kevin and Laura Hanley, Lord. For it's in your name I pray. Amen. 
Well, it's good to be here and uh, good to share again. As Kevin said, uh, uh, we were uh, supposed to come out, uh, I think it was late February, uh, and I was in, getting ready. I had gotten my driveway all de-iced, or whatever you call it, and uh, I was thinking, well, I, I guess I'll just truck out and see what happens, and I was about ready. I think I had my, my coat on. I was ready to go out the door, and I got the phone call from Kevin saying that everything down here was canceled. Uh, we actually... Uh, went to church in Blairstown that Sunday, because out our way, the ice wasn't quite so bad as it was here, but I know everything got closed down. It was at a concert that I was at that a gentleman approached me, and uh, knowing that I did pastoral care for the Evangelical Free Church Eastern District, uh, he came to me with this question, Pastor Jack, are you seeing any healthy churches. I must admit that when he asked me that question, I was caught by surprise, and I I was a bit uh, uh, in angst with that question. I couldn't quite figure out why he was asking it. Was he saying to me that his church that he attended wasn't healthy, and he he, he was kind of wondering if I saw any healthy churches out there, or was he assuming that there are very few healthy churches out there? And I've got to tell you, As Eve and I have traveled around to churches and interfaced with pastors and their wives, there are many healthy churches. But the question rang in my head and stayed with me after the concert was concluded. After I thought about that question, though, I thought, you know, that's a good question. Is Rivervale, Community EFC in Rivervale, a healthy church? And thinking that through and trying to Uh, to figure that out is important. Uh, And I'd like you to just think through that question this morning. Is Community EFC in Rivervale, New Jersey, a healthy church? Or is it a church that's maybe limping along, uh, struggling a bit, uh, weak? Uh, You know, uh, what is it? So think that through. How would you say, or what would you say, to that question, is Community EFC a healthy church? I'm not looking for you to make verbal responses and say yes or no or give things, but I would say this. How did you come to the conclusion that you did? What criteria in your mind were you using or are you using to decide if this church or any church is a healthy church. How do we know this? Well, I believe in Colossians chapter 2. And I encourage you, if you have your Bibles, uh, to open them. If you have your electronic devices, to uh, get up Colossians 2, 1 through 5. Because we're going to work our way through this passage. And I believe that as Paul's addressing the church in Colossae, Uh, He's addressing a church that he deeply wants to care for and pray for, and you see that focus in verse 1. And as he does so, I believe he's sharing his heart for the church and with this church, and he's sharing with us, I believe, some indicators, some marks of what defines a healthy church. Now, the first thing you notice when this passage was read Notice some of the things that Paul does not mention in these five verses. He doesn't mention diverse programs. 
He doesn't mention spacious buildings with lots of parking with availability so close to the building that those of us who are maturing don't need to walk very far. I once read a church growth book, and they said if you want to grow as a church, you've got to have parking so that it's accessible, and if you have to walk more than 100 yards from your car to the church, then you're not going to grow. So maybe you need a bigger parking lot. Uh, Perhaps it's having a, a huge attendance in your worship services. That's the mark of a healthy church. Maybe it's a strong focus on youth or on seniors or on some special interest group. Perhaps it's a great vacation school, Bible school. Or maybe a healthy church is defined by a special style of worship, a certain style of worship, whether it's in the music, whether it's in how the pastor dresses, how he presents himself or presents the word, sitting on a stool, standing up, walking up and down the aisles. Perhaps those things are what define a healthy church. But Paul doesn't mention any of those things. And and these are things that we might say would lead to success if we're into the church growth reading and movement, but the thing is that Paul doesn't include them. Those things that I've just stated are all external things. They're they're part of the ministry, but they're all exclusively external. What I notice about Paul is that when Paul is seeking to pray for this church in Colossae, and I believe define what a healthy church is, he's looking at the internal things, the things within a family, uh, the things within a community that make it A healthy community. So at the very beginning of our discussion and thinking this morning, we need to either adjust our thinking or we need to say that Paul was wrong. And I believe Paul's heartbeat here to see believers grow, to see healthy, mature believers gathering together in healthy ways, that's where we need to be this morning. And therefore, Paul's praying for them. And I believe he's praying for five goals that I see in this text and in this passage. You've got them on the outline, so if you fall asleep partway through. uh, Usually I fill in the blanks, but I didn't choose to do that this time. They're all filled in for you. So uh, stay with me and hang in there. But they are five critical marks or goals that I believe define and are part of a healthy church. They're not the only ones, but I believe they're good keys. The first goal comes right away in verse 2. Look at that verse with me. For there Paul says, my purpose is that they may be encouraged. That word encourage is a word we see throughout scriptures. And in various scripture texts, it's used in different ways. The word encourage can have the inference uh, uh, to come alongside of. And, and, And it can mean to comfort. It can mean to appeal to. It can mean that sometimes we're going to exhort somebody to keep going. Uh, it, it sometimes also has the meaning of, of challenging someone, encouraging them to, to, to be with God or to stay with God. But it always, in every meaning that it has, biblically, it always is used with a sense of enabling someone to meet a difficult situation or move through difficulty with confidence and faith and strengths that God will provide and work. 
I believe, one of the indicators of a healthy church family. And, and a healthy church family is healthy because of healthy individuals. Because we're individuals here, though we belong to a group. And I believe one of the indicators will be that we have a confident faith in our God who can and will take us through difficult situations and times. I see that throughout Scripture, throughout Paul's books, other books. Uh, He says, stand firm, don't lose heart, don't waver, hold fast. When we lose heart, we'll not be strong for the Lord. We'll be spiritually beaten down and weak and we'll become spiritually listless. And that's why Paul has his prayer. Be filled with courage that can cope with any situation that you go through. I love what the prophet Habakkuk says in uh, Habakkuk chapter 3. They're verses I've come to oftentimes as a pastor. And, and, And here's what they say. Though the fig tree does not bud, and though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Yet, yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. And why can I do that when things are difficult around me? Because the sovereign Lord, Habakkuk says, is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go onto the heights. I think of three men. Daniel 3, thrown into a fiery furnace. And they say, if we are thrown into the fiery furnace, the God God we serve will save us. But if he does not, we will not serve your gods. I think as well of Job and the lament of Job. And in the middle of the book in 1935, Job cries out, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know it. And that in the end, he will stand on the earth. A healthy church and healthy people maturing and growing have a confidence that God can work and will work even in difficult times. That kind of faith is the faith that Paul would want for the community EFC here in Rivervale. A group of people who are living by faith in a God who is able and not necessarily by sight of what's going on around. And I believe that in a room this size with this many people this morning, there are a number of you who are going through personal difficult times. You're facing physical or emotional or relational or financial or spiritual struggles. And you're gathered here and you're not sure how much longer you're going to be able to hang on. You're weary. You've been faithful to God, looking for his answer, but it's not really come. And you have nothing left seemingly to give. You may be weary this morning, personally, but be reminded that he is strong. 
He is able. Cling to him. I'm reading Peter Scazzaro's book uh, called uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And in that book, he talks about difficult times in our lives, and he classes them as the confusing in-between times. And maybe that's where you are. You're at a confusing in-between time. God hasn't spoken. He hasn't clearly directed in, in a clear way. You're just there. Things are happening. It's difficult. But a healthy Christian and a healthy church body will keep clinging in confidence and in faith with the God who is able to deliver them. The second mark or the second goal of a healthy church, I believe, as lined out in Colossians by the Apostle Paul, is found in that phrase, united in love. I was talking to a young gentleman this morning just before the service began, and he shared with me that in 1983, so it tells you how young he is, he landed in this church. And he landed in this church and said, I felt love here. And that drew me, and it's kept me in this place. A spiritually mature, healthy church will be united in love. Uh, There's no more practical issue that's important in the life of a church and in this paragraph than this concept of being united in love. As we well know, it's one of the hallmarks of the church throughout the ages and, and especially in the New Testament. Oh, how they loved one another. The healthy church will be a place where we're welded together. We belong together. There's a sense of belonging because we are genuinely unified. Now think about the diversity that comes with this. I want you to think about the disciple band, the the broader disciple band. I want you to think of Mary Magdalene, a sinner coming to Jesus, sharing alongside of Mary, the mother of Jesus. I want you to think of Simon the Zealot, zealous that, that the nation of Israel would rise serving alongside in that discipleship band, Matthew, uh, the tax collector, sold out to the Roman Empire. I want you to think of Peter. Uh, Peter was brash. He was the doer. He was always moving forward. And he's connected alongside John, uh, the the dreamer, uh, the one who just sat near Jesus, soaking it all in. But they were unified. Our love for Jesus Christ and our love to work with each other so that Jesus can be seen is the basis of our unity. And so often in churches, they're not healthy, though they would say they're unified because they're unified because they're against what's out there. And being against what's out there and in our world and our culture is not enough to keep us unified together. It's our commitment to love God and allow God's love to work through us. Gerald Sitzer wrote a very interesting book. It's entitled Loving Across Our Differences. Now, as I look out at this congregation, I see some of you with white hair or little hair, in my case. Uh, I see others of you that are, are are younger and you've got young children or family around you. 
Uh, I see others that are even younger than that and just starting off. And that's wonderful. But listen to what Jerry Sitzer says. I, I'm all for diversity in a church family. It was one of the themes of my ministry. But listen to what he says. Diversity strengthens a church only if mutual love first unites it. Without such love, diversity will divide and destroy the church every time that conflict erupts. Have you ever seen that? When you have a difficult decision to make, and generationally people have different ideas, and maybe maybe in terms of where we are economically or where we are in our life season, we have different ideas and they can clash. And they're different. And the thing that will unite us, the only thing that will unite us, is if love has been the basis before that conflict or that difficult setting comes. This unity of love will protect you and me from becoming prisoners to yourself. You see, I can become a prisoner to the pet doctrines that I like to focus on, the grace of God and the love of God, without talking about the judgment of God and the justice of God. Uh, I can become a prisoner to, to the rituals in my life, uh, to the traditions that are there, uh, to the causes that I hold dear, to the programs that I want to see, to the movements or the methods that come. I can be a prisoner to my own pet preferences unless I'm committed to loving in unity the brothers and sisters in Christ. Philip Yancey had an interesting way of, of addressing this whole issue of, of unity, uh, and he, he phrased it around how we see sins in other people and not ourselves. Uh, he said, um, and I, I wrote it in here because we're talking on the way down, but we, we get angry at other people's sins that are different than our own. We get angry at other people's sins that are different than our own. But it's that unity of love that brings us together. What does that look like? Well, I think it looks like this. In a church family like this, a healthy church united in love will treasure each other. will value each other. will spotlight the gifts and abilities that each other brings to the mix rather than looking at each other's faults or failures. We'll rally around each other in, in times of loss and sadness. We'll allow people to have bad days. We'll allow our pastor to have a bad day. Do you know pastors have bad days? There were some Sunday mornings, I've got to tell you, in ministry, when I'd look at my wife and I'd say to her, Honey, I've got to go to church this morning because I'm the pastor. But have you ever had a bad day? And I've got to tell you, Kevin, those are the mornings when sometimes God's would, God would work through you the best, when you just had nothing to give or you felt uh, depleted. Uh, but you, you're going to uh, allow people to have bad days. Uh, you're going to be quick to forgive. You're going to be ready to defend each other. Uh, you know, and that's something in ministry. Ready to defend each other is so important. 
able to act in kindness towards each other, willing to do things differently that I wouldn't necessarily choose. But I'm willing to do them differently for the honor of Christ. And then listen to this. I'm willing to listen to a list like I've just stated and wonder how I could do this better, how I could love better, rather than moaning because I've not been loved like that. A healthy church is going to be filled with people and have a, 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 a sense with it and about it, an atmosphere where we're confident in our faith in a God who can take us through difficult times, where we're united in love. And then Paul says in verses 2 and 3, these marvelous words, so we're united in love. Why? So that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. And knowledge. Paul tells us that in a healthy church with with people that are desiring to be growing and healthy people, we will desire the full riches of complete understanding of of who Christ is, the mystery of Christ, and, and who he is and what he's done, and that he would die on the cross for our sin and be raised from the dead even when we were not uh desirous of him, that he would do that for us. Two key words here. Knowledge and understanding denote here that much more is needed than just knowing the facts. A healthy church just doesn't come on a Sunday morning or in Bible studies to understand the facts of the word. But they come together so that they can understand and have wisdom. It's the application of biblical principles. I appreciated the song, Kevin. Uh, the obedience issue is there and obeying and working and weaving into my life. We are seeking to a deeper relationship and knowledge with Christ. We're seeking an understanding of Him and who He is and having a personal relationship with His Son. A spiritually mature, healthy church will be a church where Jesus Christ is lifted up and He's seen in your life individually and in the church life pastored in Windsor, Vermont for 12 years at an evangelical free church up there. Uh, The sanctuary was a bit shorter than this one here. Probably the back wall was about the last of the the beams there or the the girders, uh, the one, two, three back. And I had to stand on the platform every Sunday and look straight at the back doors over which there was a banner. And for 12 years, every Sunday I preached, I saw this banner that said, Sir... We would see Jesus. And that really spoke to me that that it wasn't my preaching here. It wasn't me that I wanted them to see. I wanted them and needed them to see Jesus. And then as those individuals would leave the church, everyone would see that sign. Sir, we would see Jesus. There's a danger here. I think the danger in churches like Rivervale and like the one that that I pastored in Blairstown, New Jersey for 25 years, the danger is that sometimes people come to know Christ and then they coast. Uh, You know, what happens to a number of believers is that they make a decision for Christ, 
They become active and involved in a church and church life. They learn the language and the lingo, and they understand that we use words like sanctification and and propitiation. Have you shared that word with the folks here? Good, okay. Propitiation and all those justification, righteousness, all those uh, words that we become familiar with. You know the language and the lingo, and you even begin to fit into church life. Maybe you assume some leadership position. But I've seen people who know enough to fit in. But then once they fit in, they can sit down. They can grow comfortable. They can grow content in what they know. And Paul is saying in a healthy church, there's going to be this deep desire to be ever-growing, ever-learning, being students of Christ, being apprentices. Alice Willard, a great writer, talks about being apprentices of Christ being students of Christ, being lifelong learners, and that's the mark of a healthy church, growing and learning and understanding and then seeing it applied to your life. Are you remaining fresh in your faith? I've got to tell you, I've uh, been on this path for a long time, except, except the Lord at age 7. I'm 67 now, so what's that, 60 years? Okay, still, still can figure that out mathematically. Uh, 60 years. And I got to tell you, I read in my devotional reading sometimes, and, and I go to even, I say, man, I never saw this thing before. This is wonderful. Look at this connection. Look at these things. We need to be fresh and on the cutting edge. It's not always that way with me. But we need to be on the cutting edge and fresh. As a church, you're to lift up Christ. And might that happen? healthy church has a confident faith in difficult times. A healthy church is united in love. A healthy church has a strong desire to understand and apply God's word. A healthy church has a commitment to the truth. Paul writes here, uh, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you, verse 4, by fine-sounding arguments. There's a warning here. For the Colossian church was, was under attack from those that were trying to draw them aside. There were those within their body that were even saying, look, uh, you still need to be physically circumcised even though uh, you've come into the body on the basis of Christ's death on the cross. You still need to be physically circumcised. There were false teaching going on. And Paul is saying, look, there needs to be a commitment to the truth. We live in a culture that does not accept absolute truth. And I believe the longer we go on as churches, the more that divide is going to come. And we need to be willing to stand for the truth and be committed to the truths of the Word of God. It's it's the truthfulness of the content, not just the attractiveness of the package or the messenger. Paul says, some of you want Apollos, some of you want Paul, some of you want... Uh, Christ himself, but let's focus on the message and on the truth of the word of God. Do you see the words here in verse 4? The word is deceive, beguile, be led astray. And what Paul is saying here is evaluate every teaching you hear in light of Scripture. Now, I know Kevin spends a lot of time on his messages. And I know he crafts them well and he studies the word out well. It's, It's a heartbeat that I know my brother has. But I want to tell you, 
I believe Kevin would want you to be in the word as he's preaching that word and to, like the Bereans in the book of Acts, be examining what he says in light of what the word says. And you should do that with me today as well. It's that we want the truth. About a decade ago now, maybe longer than that, maybe it was like 15 years ago, there was a whole group of churches that turned away from false teaching and embraced solid biblical teaching and faith. In fact, a whole denominational group left their false teaching behind and turned around to commit themselves to the solid truths of the Word of God. You might have heard of this group. Their name, the Worldwide Church of God. Their founder, Herbert W. Armstrong. Their slick magazine, The Plain Truth. But when Herbert W. Armstrong died 15, 20 years ago, the leadership of this church group said, we need to read the scriptures. We need to see what the scriptures say. And they began to see that some of the things that Herbert W. Armstrong, the founder, said were true, were not even in scripture. And they began to say, at least a a good portion of the leadership began to say, we need to get back to the truth. And they came back to the truth, eventually left the church. There was still a remnant that wanted to follow Armstrong and continued. But a whole group of pastors left and became committed to the truth of the Word of God. That was a courageous move. And it takes courage for us in a healthy church to teach the Word of God in its entirety, to let it weave into our lives and to live it out and by God's grace allow him to work through us to present that truth to a world that desperately needs it. A healthy church will be a church that's committed to having a confident faith in the face of difficult times, to being united in love, to having an understanding and a deepening understanding of the word of God and how it applies to my life and how I need to live that out. And a commitment to the truth. This book is the truth of the living God. And then the fifth goal, and I see it in the last phrase in verse 5, is this. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and I delight to see how orderly you are. And how firm your faith in Christ is. A spiritually mature person and a church, a healthy church, will have a consistency of commitment. I delight to see how firm your faith in Christ is. For Paul, this was a special joy. He commends them for the unyielding nature of their faith, for not flinching, for not turning aside, through moving, for moving through difficult times, through experiencing the joys of ministry and life. Their orderly fellowship. They belonged to each other. Their steadfastness that held Christ as central. That that word to hold fast or to be firm is is a military term. And it means to keep the lines unbroken. Uh, Interesting, I've just finished reading a trilogy of books on George Washington uh, authored by Newt Gingrich. I'm not reading them because politically I'm aligned there or not. Uh, you know. But uh, he wrote three books on George Washington. And Valley Forge was one of the books, the middle one. And uh, he wrote about how the patriots 
had to learn not to be the guerrilla fighters just trying to challenge the British who were coming at them in those orderly lines and would just keep coming. Uh, They had to learn, the Patriots, during Valley Forge days that winter, how to stand in line and keep on coming towards the British even when they were getting shot shot at and some of them would be going down. They had to keep their lines unbroken. And out of Valley Forge, that desperate winter that was so hard for the Patriots, they developed a marching order that eventually won them the revolution and some battles that followed. That's what Christ brings to us, and that's what Paul is saying. Keep the lines unbroken. In spite of enticements of false teachers in Colossae, keep the lines unbroken. Keep your faith fixed on Jesus Christ. Now, I believe that consistency is not easy. I know it's not easy in our own lives personally and in a church life to be consistently faithful in all the seasons of church life. I believe it's one of the biggest challenges that I see in evangelical churches, to be consistent. It's the difference between living by my emotions and living by faith. It's the difference between uh, people knowing that I'm going to be there, gathered with the body week after week after week, then oh, I wonder if they're going to be around to, to encourage and to love and to lift up Jesus and to proclaim the gospel. I believe every time you drive out of your driveway and come to church on a Sunday morning, you're making a statement. And maybe, maybe that statement simply is, where are they going? What are you doing on Sunday morning? But there's a consistency that's not easy when you live that out in your life, in the neighborhood where you are in the place of business where you work, people will begin to know that you have a commitment and that that commitment is permanent. I see a lot of people operating on the, on the basis of convenience. I'll, I'll be at church, I'll be a part of the family if it's convenient for me, if it meets my needs, if it helps me out in some way. Rather than, I'm going to be there because I have a conviction that this is my family and I belong And we share together and we work together. And over the course of years, maybe it's not going to be easy, but I'm going to be steadfast and and help out and share where I can. The healthy church is one that's steadfast. So I see these as five, five markers or five goals. I believe they're there in the text. So here's the question. Is Rivervale Community FC a healthy church? But the deeper question is this. Are you, am I, a healthy believer? Am I confident and have faith that my God will take me and can take me through the difficult times and I'll hang in there and I'll stay clinging on to my God? Am I committed to the fact that with other believers in a community where I belong, I will be united in love. I'm going to love them. And I'm going to take those steps to try to, try to show my love. I'm going to go up and thank that person for their service. I'm going to go up and share what I'm grateful for in that person. I'm going to go up and encourage that one who seems a little down. I'm going to be part of the family united in love. Am I really desiring to understand deeply and dig deeply into the Word of God and let that move into my heart and life and change me 
and make me into a person that's Christ-like in my nature? Am I willing to be courageous in standing for the truth, in declaring that truth, in living that truth out in a culture and in a, in a day when, when truth is not valued? Am I willing to live that out? And am I willing to do this consistently through all the seasons of life? As I was pastoring in Vermont, the question came from my children at one point in time, Dad, do we have to go to Sunday evening church? Or do we have to go to church? Or do we have to go to Sunday school? And I said, yeah. It's what we do as a family. And then I would look at them and think, okay, I'm a pastor, so I kind of have to go to church because it's part of my job, so I've got to be there. And we would say to them, you know, we go to church when we're on vacation. We go to church all the time. There's a consistency here that we want to wrap in to your life. And, and for them, they, they certainly were very faithful and consistent. They love church. Uh, but, uh, you know, those questions come. Consistency. As a church, there may be some things that Rivervale will never be able to do. You may never have a best-selling author in the pulpit unless Kevin's writing a book that I am not aware of at this point in time. Uh, but you might not have that best-selling author, the David Jeremiah, the, the Mark Devers, or whoever the name is that you enjoy. There might never be that person in your pulpit. You might never have a huge jumbotron thing up here in front uh, ever in your church. Uh, you might not have a new sanctuary that, that's bigger or, 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 or more set without fixed pews and things like that. Might never happen here. Maybe it will, but it might never happen. But I'll tell you what Rivervale Community SC can have. You can have these marks. And these can be weave, woven deeply into your life and your DNA so that Jesus is seen. So whatever things get added in the future, and I know Kevin and, and, and pastors uh, in churches are looking to see how God's going to unwrap the, the ministry for the future and things that might get added in or taken away, whatever comes in the future, that will only complement the real work that God wants to do in this place, which is in your hearts and in your lives to glorify Him by being the body of Christ. So what actions do you need to take today? Are you weary? Are you here going through difficult times and you're wondering, can I keep hanging on? Do you need to say, boy, you know, I feel like Habakkuk, the prophet Habakkuk, when he wrote, there's nothing going on in my life. I don't see the hand of God. Yet I will trust him and rejoice in him because I know that he's my sovereign God. Maybe for you, it's a personal commitment. Maybe for you, that united in love section kind of hit, and, and you need to look around you today and say, you know, I've never shared that I appreciate that person for being a part of our church family. I, I've never even taken time to get to know that person. I, I've never shared how thankful I am for what this individual's done. Or I know that person's hurting. I, I haven't seen them in church recently. I know they're hurting. Maybe I need to connect with them and contact them. Perhaps for you, you've grown a little uh, uh, lax in your own personal 
uh, desires to, to deepen your relationship with God and, and understanding the mysteries of God and all that God has for you. And so maybe this morning your commitment has to be that step that you would take would be, Lord, I need that freshness. I need that, that freshness of the word, not only knowledge in my life, but, but weaving into the very fabric of my life. Or perhaps this morning, it's the consistency issue. Maybe uh, you're in a season of life where your faith has wavered a bit. You've become a little complacent in, in uh, pursuing Christ as you once did. And it's time now to say, Lord, uh, help me to consistently and faithfully follow you. I don't know where you are, but each one of us can take, take steps. And as we do, Rivervale Community EFC will continue to be that healthy church where people grow. And they see Christ. And as you leave here, might people see Christ most of all. Lord Jesus, thank you that your word is clear. That we can declare it with authority. Knowing that the words that Paul wrote long ago to a church in Colossae. And were relevant then. Are as relevant to community EFC in Rivervale today. For you are the living God. And your spirit takes these words and applies them and weaves them into our lives. I would pray, Lord, that uh, as Rivervale continues to develop, uh, change, Lord, because we know churches in in different settings go through seasons of ministry and life and changes come. and, And we know that's part of the DNA here in Rivervale. And I just pray that you will allow them to keep Christ central, be united in love, and be sharing the truths of the Word of God so that Christ is seen. And I pray these things in your name, Lord, and for your glory. Amen.